Match Volume is back with a new episode featuring interviews with people doing exciting things in this big world of ours. I'm your host, Elise Ellis, and I'm excited to introduce you to award-winning author and journalist Peter Bailey. In an interview with Match Volume's Yuki Liang, Bailey discusses the making of his latest film, Paradise Discovered, The Unbreakable Virgin Islanders, and his career as a journalist. But first, you'll hear from Philip Flip on Cuddy in conversation with Match Volume reporter Joshua Chong about his family's influential mark on Korean history. His mother, Susan Oncuddy, was the first Asian-American female officer to serve in the United States Navy during World War II. And his grandfather, Tosong Chang-ho, is widely regarded as one of the most influential Korean independence activists. Why is Tosong Chang-ho so important? Who is he? Um, you know, Tosong's a historical figure who is on par with people like Cesar Chavez, Gandhi, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. But unfortunately, um, he's kind of an obscure historical figure in some ways. But, you know, like, and especially here near USC in in the downtown uh, Los Angeles uh, center of the city, the 110 and the 10 freeway are named after him. You know, and so... Most people that drive through there have no idea who he is. He literally saved Korea from Japan, you know, and so for some one person to be the central figure, the uniting figure, and the leader to have the ability to actually stop another country from taking over your country, I mean, that says a lot. Yeah. You mentioned how Tosan is a, um, he was a revolutionary figure back in his day, both oh, totally. his thinking and, yeah. and how he acted. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good segue to, um, to your mother, because oh. she served in, as a Navy officer right. during World War II, one of the first Asian-American women to serve exactly. in the United States Navy. She trained airplane pilots. Yeah, yeah um, Link, it's, it's, it's L-I-N-K, I don't know what the acronym, um, but it was a... Uh, uh, training system to for combat air tactics, you know, and she did this all by aptitude and testing and studying. But uh, yeah, she worked at the National Security Agency from about 50, uh, 1959, and she was in charge of the Soviet division. She was actually a section chief. She had 300 people working underneath her. And when I read her uh, personnel file and the accolades that she get, you know, there was one guy said I would never work for a woman unless it was Lieutenant Cuddy. You know, so and the other thing at the National Security Agency, her nickname was Little Hitler. <laughs> she ruled her division like a dictator. And you know, the thing about Korea is she always um, did stuff for Korea and the Korean community as well. You know, so. Um, if you follow her life, she, like, you know, even being in the U.S. Navy here, it was to help Korea get freed from the Japanese. You know, that, in 1941, when Pearl Harbor happened, it was a chance for her to get a little revenge, but also, you know, for both countries. You haven't um, shied away from criticizing a lot of the, especially a lot of the old American, I mean, Korean-American scholars and oh, sure. leaders here. Um, sure. Sometimes we, we see things as we are not as they are you know and so what I'm saying is there's like you talk about you know different perceptions there's revisionists there's a lot of people today that take little parts of my mom's life or Tosan's life and they um, 
fit it into their history. And, you know, like Tosan is so relevant for today's, you know, Korean community here and Korean community and, and anywhere around the world because of his greatness as a Korean. And, you know, a lot of people have these historical accomplishments and recognition, but they don't leave anything other than a name and an activity. Tosan left a whole philosophy and then a whole life of, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk that he did. My mom was very similar to that, um, but my mom is a little more rebellious, I think. Tosan was rebellious. You know, the first speech he gave against the Korean government was in 1898 when he was 20 years old. You know, to be a, a trailblazer, uh, courageous to go against certain um, things about society, which which could be applied to today. You know, so, so uh, you know, I guess they were both agents of change, you know, but, you know, if you, if you kind of analyze what they did or why they did it, those are all good reasons for what they did with good results. So it's, it's a, it's a positive, you know, it's an honest, it's a sincere uh, um, story. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was Joshua Chong speaking with Flip on Cuddy. Paradise Discovered, The Unbreakable Virgin Islanders is the second documentary film from award-winning author and journalist Peter Bailey. The film is based on his New York Times op-ed, Has America Forgotten the Virgin Islands, which captures the stories of those throughout the Caribbean affected by Hurricanes Irma and Maria, which Bailey himself survived. In a conversation with Match Volumes' Yuki Liang, Bailey discusses the making of his latest film, his home, the Virgin Islands, and his early interest in journalism. I got started as a journalist coming from St. Thomas, and there's a lot of things growing up. You know, problems I wanted to fix, but I'm not a rich kid, so I, didn't, I couldn't fix it. And I found that the written word, and when you report on st- stories and showcase these issues, you could basically attract people to kind of, you know, shed light on these issues to start change and, 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 you know, and just stir change in your, in your community. So that's what really got me on the path to journalism, to really shed a light on people's lives in my community and different issues that I felt needed a- attention. Let's talk a little bit about your latest film project, Paradise yeah. Discovered. Um, Paradise Discovered, yeah. I have a show with kids down the Virgin Islands where I connect high school students to role models. And I was down there doing the show, and as Hurricane Irma was approaching, I decided to stay to look out for my family. And on the rest is history. Um, the storm came and ravaged our lives. You know, the, the roof went. I had to build a roof. Um, and then Maria came and took the roof again. And, and then, honestly, I got pissed off because I realized that my community and my people weren't getting any media attention. You know, we, I felt that we were just totally forgotten. So I took it upon myself as a journalist to start sharing our story. And quite frankly, um, it got personal for me because my father at the time, who's, who's passed away, who, who died on September 3rd, I, the film and the project is in his honor and his name. Um, I felt that his life and the people around us in our community who were suffering, they needed a, they needed a voice. They needed um, their lives to be put on front street as well. So that's how Paradise Discovered um, came about, is me just taking the onus upon myself to share our stories of how basically um, we took care of each other down the Virgin Islands, how we really uplifted e- each other while, you know, 
the worst storms of our lives. Why did you decide to make this into a documentary film? I'm a storyteller. So in whatever medium I can share the story, whether it be the written word, whether it be the, the visual medium, and what is more powerful than video? What is more powerful than the, the visual medium? I mean, we, we live in a society where imagery is everything, content is everything. So that's, that's how that came about. It, it's, it, it really came about for me to share our story in every possible medium to show the world just how amazing we are. Can you share with us one of the most memorable events when making this film? My father. This is basically his life. I'm immortalizing his life. I'm immortalizing his life. I'm immortalizing the lives of people in his community, people I feel in the Caribbean who are amazing, who have struggled and who have overcame things that is beyond belief, and they still continue and they still go on. So the most memorable thing about this film is when I'm dead and gone, 100 years from now, you can see us, you can hear us in our voice, not somebody else's, not somebody that's descending down from somewhere, making you dictating how we are, but you can really hear our voice and see who we are, and that's going to live on. When I'm gone and when my kids are gone, everybody's gone, that's, that's going to live on. For me, um, I get goosebumps talk, talking about that. Did making this film change you? Well, definitely. Um, this film, these hurricanes, it just changed my life. I look at the world now as the, the clock is ticking. We all gonna die, you know, but, but what energy are you gonna leave, right? Because the body is a shell, but your energy is gonna live on. So what energy are you gonna release out here? What energy are you gonna leave us with? Um, and I wanna leave energy that says the human will is inconquerable. You know, whatever you believe, you can achieve. And, and um, the reality that you believe in is, is the realest one, you know? and, and um, that's how it changed my life. It made me realize just how powerful we are when we lead with love, you know, and, and, and it's, it's definitely made me a, just a, a whole different human being. What advice would you give to young journalists who are looking forward to becoming documentary journalists like you? Um, let your work be inspired from your heart, not by what you see, because 90% of the crap you see coming on your timeline and coming on Twitter and coming across your radio feed, it, 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 it's not real. Get out in the world, live, and lead. Let, let your heart inspire the stories that you want to tell, basically, and, and do society justice. Because to me, there is no more noble calling than being a, a journalist. You know, we're, we're basically historians. We're basically giving voice to people that don't have a voice. We're not fans, you know. There's a lot of fandom that's going on in, in journalism. What we are... We're giving life and, 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 and form to people's hopes, dreams, and their voices and their stories. So just please, just lead with your heart. You know, lead with your heart, not, not, not with your eyes. Lead with your heart when you decide to tell a story. I've been speaking with journalist Peter Bailey. Mr. Bailey, thank you so much for joining us on Match Volume. Thank you. Appreciate you. That's it for today's short and sweet episode of Match Volume. It's your girl, Elise Ellis, host and producer, with more interviews soon to come.